Well, hey, gang. Good evening. My name is Shannon. I am also one of the campus pastors here. Um, It's just a delight to be back together, yeah? After a long winter break. Hi, Michaela. Um, It's a delight to be back with you all um, after the winter break. It's a delight to be able to share the Word of God with you this evening. Um, So I don't know where everyone is at tonight in terms of how you're feeling about being in a new year. But for me, I love the beginning of a new year. There is a whole new set of 12 months just stretched out before us, like a mountain valley spread with untouched snow. Can we just think about that for a second? It isn't it nice? It is. Full of new possibilities and opportunities, and I love dreaming about all a new year can bring. I also enjoy looking back over the last year, both to remember all the good things that God um, has done in my life and through my life, and also to reflect on and remember all the mistakes that I made last year so that I don't haul them into a new year, like like trekking muddy tracks all over that fresh snow. No, No fresh mistakes in this year. I guess we'll see how it goes. Um, And of course, looking back over last year, I think about last quarter, um, and one of the things that I've been reflecting on uh, as I thought and reflected on our um, life as a community over the last quarter, I got to thinking about how many of you said yes to Jesus in one way or another. I think of how many of you stood during the first two Friday nights and said, yes, Jesus, I will follow you during my college years. I think of those who are here who don't follow Jesus as Lord, but you have said yes um, to learning about him and seeing if any of his claims or his promises hold any water. But you didn't know you said yes to Jesus in a way, did you? But you did. <laughs> I think of Lynn, and I think of Jackson, and I think of Maddie, who were baptized at our Christmas service. Yes. And how they said a very public yes to following Jesus forever. And I think of those of you who said yes to Jesus in hidden ways. You said yes to Jesus in giving in the offering. You said yes to Jesus in serving in unseen and unknown ways. Maybe you gave up something you wanted so someone else um, could receive what they needed. You said yes to Jesus when you woke up early to pray. When you stayed up late to have a conversation with a roommate or a floor mate. You said yes to Jesus as you read scripture during your lunch break so you can get to know God's story better and your place in it. If this is your first Friday with us, we want to say welcome we're so glad that you're here, and we want to say welcome to the, to the adventure of saying yes to Jesus together as a community, if you decide to stick around. Because in Jesus is life. Jesus said, I have come to give you life. And not just any kind of life, but full life. 
In him is life, life to the full, life that is really life. And together, we are discovering what that full, really, really kind of life is. And last quarter, if you remember, we talked a lot about God as unchanging throughout the whole of Scripture. His unchanging compassion. His unchanging nature of bringing order out of chaos. And some of you had very real experiences of God bringing order into your chaos. Last quarter, last year. We talked about his unchanging hospitality. How he is the great welcomer of everyone. We talked about his unchanging provision of rest and his unchanging generosity in giving us of his spirit. He gives us his very self to live in us and to live with us. The unchanging nature of God. And we're going to kick off the first few weeks of this quarter with a very important question. In view of all the unchanging things we know about God, his kindness, his compassion, his hospitality, his provision and generosity, in light of all of that, how then should we live? In view of all these unchanging things, how should we live? And I want you to think for just a moment how you experienced God last quarter or last year. Think of one way that you experienced God. I'm just going to pause for a moment. Now hold that in your mind as we go to our scripture tonight. I want you to hold that in your mind because how we experience God can and should impact how we live our lives. Is that true? Some of you think it is. I'll keep going. Okay, so um, our scripture tonight is going to be in Romans chapter 12. Just two little verses, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and pull them out. And if you wanted to, you can pull out your phones, look up your Bible app, that'd be fine. And just no Facebook or Instagram. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. If you have your Bibles, Old, uh, New Testament, Second half of your Bible, after the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, flip through Acts, and then you'll arrive in Romans. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Just two verses for us to sit in tonight, but you've got to be careful because it packs a punch. Are you ready for the punch? Okay, good. And these two verses are going to help us answer that question. In view of who God is, how should we live? Now, before we get to these two verses, I have to introduce um, you to the author of this letter. His name is Paul, and Paul was a follower of Jesus. He was a teacher, he was a preacher, he was a pastor and a missionary. He wore a lot of hats. And Paul had quite a crazy and supernatural encounter with Jesus. You'll have to go back one book in the Bible, in the book of Acts, and read his story to find out um, about how he met the risen Jesus. He was quite surprised to say the least. And in Romans, Paul is writing to a group of Jesus followers in Rome. Rome, Romans, Romans, Rome, got it. Rome was the central, the central city of a very powerful Roman empire. 
And so he says this in chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. I urge you, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Paul answers our question this way. In view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Now think back to that way that you had in your mind just a couple minutes ago about how you experienced God last quarter or last year. And put that in this blank. In view of God's blank, however you experienced God, I am to offer my body as a living sacrifice. In view of God's unexpected provision for my tuition, I am to offer my body back to him as a living sacrifice. In view of God's love expressed through my friend or through my core, I am to offer my body as a living sacrifice. In view of God's forgiveness for this sin that I just can't shake, offer my body to God as a living sacrifice. In view of God's, what's yours? All the ways we have experienced God are an expression of his mercies to us. In view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. And this word mercy is translated from the Greek word for compassion. That depth of compassion that is in the heart of God that compels him to offer himself fully and completely to deliver us from the state of sin that we live in without him. And to deliver us from the destruction that it causes. We don't follow Jesus because he was a good guy or a good teacher. We follow him because he revealed himself as God. The God who would become like us in every way. Taking on a body. Walking around in our shoes for a while. Being tempted in every way that we are. Grieving as we grieve. Laughing at what we laugh at. And the God who offered that body up as a sacrifice. To take on our sin, our death, our pain, and our grief so that we can be renewed, redeemed, made whole, and live a life that is really life. In view of God's mercy, expressed in Christ who offered his body, his body as a living sacrifice, quite literally, in view of that kind of mercy, we offer our bodies as living sacrifices as well. But what does that actually mean? That's a good question. This looks like offering our whole selves to God. Paul's choice of this particular word body in Greek encompasses not just physical bodies, but it also includes our minds and our intellect, our will and our emotions, our spirits and our souls. Every part of us we offer back to God. A sacrifice, in a, real, in a real sense, is offered up on an altar. But what Paul had in mind here and what I'm talking about isn't about an altar made of stone. It's much more intangible than that. 
Paul borrows language from Israel's sacrificial system and the sacrificial systems of his generation to help these early Christians in Rome. Some of them who were, were from a Jewish background, others were not. But all had embraced Jesus as Savior and Lord. And he uses this language to help them understand that to know and to follow Jesus meant saying no to some things and yes to the ways of God's kingdom. And this image was, was to help the early believers in Rome to understand that following Jesus costs something. That it required sacrifice. That it required a letting go of the things of this world to take hold of the new life in Christ. And Jesus' life was a life of self-giving. And included an actual sacrifice that somehow and mysteriously atoned for the sins of the whole world. For those early believers and all the way up to us today and well beyond it. Somehow, mysteriously atoning for the sins of the world. For the sins of every person who would ever live. Not just for the early believers, but anyone who called upon his name. Clear up until today. Jesus' life was a life of love expressed in ways that were radically different from human self-serving love. And his kind of love flew in the face of the cultures of the world then, and it does so now. In our day, in our time, in our world, that's so very different from the world that Paul lived in. But all of this can sound pretty heady and hard to grasp, um, and so I want to bring it a bit into our lives. Um, And I have an interesting statement for us to ponder. Here's the statement. We all offer ourselves upon an altar of something. We all offer ourselves upon an altar of something. I thought of, um, of some American cultural altars. The altar of me. I'm number one. My safety, my comfort, my fun, and my future are the most important thing to build my life on. I am the number one factor in the decisions that I make. The altar of me. Then there's the altar of success, and the altar of status, and the altar of money. Um, Here are some university altars that all college students are tempted to give themselves, offer themselves on. The altar of achievement, of grades and degrees. The altar of popularity. The altar of relationships. The altar of this is the best time of life, so live it up. The altar of addiction. Of alcohol, drugs, pot, pornography, social media, Netflix, about anything could become an addiction. Now, many of these things aren't bad in and of themselves. Getting good grades, watching Netflix, building relationships. God made us for relationships. Having fun, pursuing a career. They're not bad things. But when we give ourselves fully to them, they can become a demanding 
altar. Altars that will eventually require everything. They'll cost us our integrity. They'll cost us relationships. And they'll cost us even our own souls if we allow them to. Do you find yourself offering yourself on any of these altars? Or any others that come to mind? There are plenty out there. Do you find yourself offering yourself on any of these altars? Confession. Your pastors have altars too. Now, I'm not going to air out all the altars of my co-campus pastors. They breathe a collective sigh of relief. But I am going to share a few of my altars with you. There are altars that I have offered far too much of myself on in my life. Altars that thankfully Jesus has crushed. I hope you're finding that he's crushing some altars. Some of my altars, I gave myself too much to the altar of relationships. A number of years ago, I had a boyfriend. I gave too much of my body to him, a man who would not become my husband. I gave myself on the altar of a few friendships that were codependent and emotionally enmeshed. Gave too much of my emotional energy to toxic friendships and the ones that scarred me so deeply. I gave myself to the altar of work. Hi, my name is Shannon and I'm a recovering workaholic. I gave myself on the altar of an addiction to pornography. It's a girl thing too now, you know. I gave myself too much to the altar of performance as an athlete and a student. What are your altars? My brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy... Offer yourselves, your bodies, all that you are as living sacrifices to him and no other. And it's a process too. We were made for more. We were made for life that is really life. But let's be honest, because sometimes the life Jesus offers costs too much, or so it seems. Or it seems to offer so little in return. Sometimes following Jesus is a lot more boring than living it up on a Saturday night. Or offer fewer accolades and getting the grade. May I offer this thought? If that's been your experience, a boring relationship with Jesus, or or gaining fewer accolades than getting the grade... Or if that's what you're afraid of, of not being noticed enough or loved enough because you follow Jesus, this unseen God. Maybe your Jesus is too small. Because the Jesus I read about in scripture healed sick people. And he spoke value and worth into those who had none. 
and he touched the untouchables without fear of catching their diseases. And he even raised the dead. And what's even more amazing than that is that he said that those who follow him would do even greater things than what he did. My friends, perhaps we think too little of the Jesus we follow. Or perhaps we allow ourselves to be content with the easy practices of our faith. Rather than pursuing those that cost us something. But that will deepen us into knowing who Jesus really is. And deepen a relationship with him. And sometimes we can forget what an adventure being in a relationship with the living God could be like. We just fail the dream. Or maybe we haven't experienced the power of God's spirit that he's promised us. One of the things that I notice in these verses is that Paul says, offer yourselves. Offer. Just open your hands and offer yourself to the Lord. Our part is to simply offer ourselves to our good Father, to our Lord of love. And as we do, his spirit who lives in us is the one who conforms us to his character and his ways. His spirit loves through us as we offer ourselves to him and no other. He transforms us from the inside out, renewing our minds to what is true. When it feels impossible to say no to these other altars, the spirit in us makes it possible to say yes to what God wants, which often feels so counter to our culture, so against what feels normal. Here's one of the things that I've learned about following Jesus in the 18 years or so that I've spent mostly stumbling after him. Is that offering ourselves as living sacrifices to God takes faith. And it takes a growing trust in the one that we're following. It takes faith living beyond ourselves. And only then will we discover that living as living sacrifices brings the life we've been longing for as we've sacrificed ourselves on the altars of other things. The altars that are so demanding and also so very empty. Earlier I mentioned that I once sacrificed myself upon an altar of performance especially as an athlete. Playing softball was my world. It was my identity. And it was, in my mind, really the only way I was going to be able to afford going to college. Well, playing college, I did, and I loved it. But my freshman year was pretty consumed with trying to perform and beat out the catcher who started in front of me. Fast forward a couple years... Thankfully, Jesus had gotten a hold of my life and was very busy building um, a different identity in me. He helped me to stop sacrificing myself upon my altar of performance. And I can clearly remember um, one weekend, I think it was my, maybe my junior year, 
might have been my senior year. I can't really remember. They all kind of blur together. Um, but we were playing in Colorado, um, and my team was warming up. Um, and by this time, um, I had moved from catcher to third base. Um, and our starting pitcher, at, at, at some point during our warm-ups, she limped up to me with tears streaming down her face. And she asked if I could pray for her. She was suffering from a hip injury, and she was shot up all full of cortisone to help her play through the pain, but it wasn't working. She came up to me in her tears, and she said, Shannon, could you pray for me? And I could have said, I'm sorry, I can't pray for you now. The game is about to start, and I have to practice a little bit more. i got to get a few more reps in. Translation, sorry, my performance means more, to you, more than your pain. Just suck it up, play it through. You'll be fine. But thankfully, I did not say that. Right there in the middle of the field with everyone watching, we knelt down to pray. And I watched as her tears stopped. Her face relaxed. And I could watch the pain ease away a little bit. And she did pitch that day. You know, gang, I don't remember if we won that game. I don't remember how well or poorly I played that day. I can't even tell you if my pitcher pitched that whole game. But what I do know is that God touched her that day. And I know that to experience that through my ragtag life is worth giving everything for. It was worth sacrificing my performance to pause and pray for my teammate who was in pain and made a way for God to touch her life. That's the life we're invited to when Jesus says, come and follow me. I'll fill you with my spirit. I'll fill you with boldness. I'll fill you with gifts of healing and words of knowledge to give away to everyone I gather around your life. Yes, offering our bodies, our whole selves, as living sacrifices takes faith. It takes saying yes to what feels counter. And it takes the spirit in us to conform, to transform, to renew, and to enable us to live as living sacrifices before our Lord. So that his love and his life can touch every person he brings through our lives in big ways and in small ways, but mostly in small, everyday, ordinary ways. As I wrap up tonight, um, I just want to remind us of, of, um, of a few statements that I said that I really want you to take away with you tonight. One takeaway. We all offer ourselves upon an altar of something. Another takeaway, real life, the life we long for only comes through offering ourselves to God.
Third, we offer ourselves as living sacrifices to God. And the spirit of the living God takes over from there. And finally, it takes faith to offer ourselves as living sacrifices. Worship team, you guys can come on up. In response tonight, I sense that the Lord's greatest desire for each of us is simply to offer ourselves to him. To simply offer ourselves to him. You don't even need to worry about those other altars. You just get to choose to offer yourself again, anew, afresh, for the first time, for the 137th time. We just get to offer ourselves to the Lord tonight. In view of his great mercy, his great compassion, Offer your body, your whole self. So if, if any part of tonight, if, if you find your heart being stirred by the Lord, and you would say, Lord, um, maybe, maybe you would say, Lord, I know that I've been offering myself to too many of the wrong altars. Tonight, I want to offer myself to you. And to begin to live a different way. To begin to offer myself to you alone. To say no to these things. Say yes to you. If your heart has been stirred by the Lord and you say, Lord, that's me. I just want to offer myself to you just simply and fully tonight. Then as the worship team plays this, this next song, um, what I want you to do is just to, just to where you're seated, just open your hands before the Lord. As a, as a physical motion of what's going on in your heart. It doesn't have to be all up here. It can just be right here. Lord, I offer myself to you. And as the worship team plays and as we sing this song, just talk to the Lord. Lord, I want to offer myself to you tonight. And I'm going to trust you to take care of these other altars. And I'm going to trust you to conform my heart to yours. And I'm going to step out in faith when you invite me to live in a sacrificial way. And if you've discovered some other altars in your life, he'll just, he'll just take care of those as you offer yourself to him. This is our first step. And that's what we're going to do together. Simply offer our bodies, our whole selves to him. Let's pray. Father, you are an awesome God. You are real and you made everything we see, everything we hear, everything we can touch, and so much that we can't. Lord, you made each one of us here. You made us for life. And you made us to to live, to sink deeply into the ocean of your love. Father, would you reveal how much you love each of us tonight? Because your love is so compelling, God. It's so unexpected. It's so rich and so deep and so high and so wide and so long. 
Yours is a transforming love. It's a self-giving love. And God, as we're loved by you, you enable us to love in the same way, to love with your reckless love, to touch the lepers, to lay our hands who are, who are, on those who are sick, to see them healed by the power of your spirit, God. And Jesus, you came to set us free. You came to set us free from the altars that we chain ourselves to. And you come and you say, offer yourself to me. Your love is a reckless love, but it's the safest love we'll ever find. So Lord, tonight, as our hearts have been stirred by your spirit, God, we we hold out our hands before you and we offer ourselves to you tonight. Lord, you know what's in our heart. You know what's in our lives. We offer ourselves to you and none other. Shape our life. Fill us with your power. Come transform us and spend our life on you and in recklessly loving others. And we'll find so much joy. We offer ourselves to you tonight as living sacrifices.